You know, if you're newer and visiting, um, I'm one of the pastors here at Moraine, and uh, you were probably expecting a very good-looking bald guy who was built like a brick house, you know what I mean? But you got a bald guy who's kind of pleasingly plump instead, <laughs> and uh, no beard. So, but my name is Pat, and uh, Don, thank you so much for letting me share this morning. And as I've been preparing and praying about this message this morning, uh, the weight of it has just really grown on my heart, so I'm excited to share it with you. You know, in 2017, the U.S. Surgeon General pronounced that there was an epidemic of loneliness and isolation in the United States. And over time, it's become clearer and clearer to the mental and physical impacts that that isolation and loneliness has upon people. There's been a deep link that they see between dementia, heart disease, strokes, and even rewiring of the brain that impacts the way we relate with one another that has happened as a result of this. So that was in 2017, they already recognized that here. In 2020, we had a pandemic called COVID, which amplified our isolation and our loneliness. And as they've studied, they said that the average American spent one hour less face-to-face -face with people per day and one hour more in screen time. That means over a year, we traded off 365 hours of actually being with people face-to-face -to, -face to sitting in front of a screen doing social media, reading internet articles and news and things like this, and you know, just that's, that became our new reality. Put that down on the lower shelf. Basically, if you work an eight-hour day, five days a week, that's nine weeks of work. It's equal to that, that we traded of being with people face-to-face -face and interacting with them for looking at a screen. So we started with an epidemic of isolation and loneliness. We had a pandemic that amplified it, and then you just add to it things like those who used to live in the city, you know what it was like, you sit on the front porch, and others would be on the front porch, and there'd be community life going on as people lived in the community. Then you move to the suburbs, and what'd you get? You got a back porch, and you put a fence around your yard, and now we got people that are living in isolation and separating ourselves with fences and back porches so that we don't connect with one another. We're living in a culture that is more divided than it's ever been. And many people now will only accept into their circle of friends those who believe exactly what they believe, whether it be about social issues, whether it be theological issues, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, political, can get all the way down to whether you believe in vaccines or masks or not, and we separate it into groups, and we hang with our people. And then you take just the demands of life. 
You know that as a parent, a grandparent, those that are working, there's demands from work, there's demands for the family, you know, so we're finding ourselves as a people that are extremely busy, living in isolation and loneliness, separated from other people because of all kinds of crazy things. And what that's doing is that's causing us to be separated from the people we need the most. Brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And as we talk more, we're going to move from the body of Christ worldwide to the body of Christ at Moraine Valley Church. These are the people we desperately need. People to do life with. People to speak truth to us. Sometimes we need to be comforted by their truth. Sometimes we need to be convicted by their truth. We need each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And when Don opened up this series, he talked to us about that the church, and again, let's keep our mind on Moraine Valley Church this morning, is not an institution, it's not an organization, but it's a family. It's made up of the children of God. We're called brothers and sisters in Christ. We have mothers and fathers of the faith. And so we're living in a community that's really a family, and yet our culture is fighting against it. And the very thing that we were made for with one another is being hampered deeply. This morning, we're gonna, we're gonna continue this series about I love my church as we talk about being an adopting church. And Gilbert and Marie, we appreciate your words about what you've experienced in hospitality. I'm going to talk, I'm not talking to a church that's broken. Uh, we can always grow though. There's places we can excel. And we want to talk about how can we excel in our, this whole area of hospitality and welcoming people, adopting people into this family. Because you know what? We've been adopted by God into his family. We are in union with Jesus, and by nature of that, we have been profoundly and deeply united together as one in the body of Christ, in the body of Moraine Valley. We're deeply connected to one another as much as my shoulder is to my bicep, is to my elbow, to my forearm, to my wrist, to my hand, to my fingers. There's an interconnection in the body that is dependent on one another and lives in close connection and the ability for even this to work well and to do this is all the way dependent on this part of the body back here and this part and that part. It's why the scripture uses, the, calls us the body of Christ, uses the illustration of a physical body to show how intimately connected we are to one another and how desperately we need one another to live healthy in the body of Christ and to live healthy in the world that we're living in. So we're gonna talk about being an adopting church because I believe being an adopting church is what will fight against the isolation, the division, the separation, the loneliness that our culture has been kind of pushing us towards Moraine Valley's an adopting church can become a church and a group of people that can begin to address that.
So that's where we're going this morning. Simply, I want to start with, I want to talk about two biblical instructions, which the head of our family, by the way, you know who the head of the family is, Jesus. (laughs) Uh, The head of the family in his word has given us some instructions on how we're to live with one another. And I want to talk about that this morning, because I'm going to talk about two important instructions that he gives us that helps us even excel still the more is an adopting church. And the first one is this, that we become a welcoming church. A welcoming church. You know, six times in Scripture, we are actually commanded in the context of the one another's to greet one another. Isn't that amazing we have to be commanded to greet one another? But isn't there something within us that just kind of we love just walk on our own and live by ourselves and do our own thing and don't bother me? But six times, the Word of God commands us to greet one another. Five of those six times, it says this, greet each other with a holy kiss. You know, now, I'm going to deal with the greeting aspect. I'm going to let Don deal with the holy kiss part. Uh, rumor is, Don, you're a much better holy kisser than me. And so I'll let you deal with that aspect of it. But, you know, basically, it's, it's a warm greeting that says, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad to see you. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, 26, he adds something to that, and I, I have it on the screen for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. You know, all the ones say, uh, not kiss one another, says greet one another, and, and you know, with a holy kiss. But here he adds a word that the other ones will have, all the brethren, all the sisters. So what he means here is I don't just greet my friends. I don't just greet those who are the same age as me. I don't just greet, greet those who are the same gender as me. I don't just greet those who are the same color as me. I don't just greet those who are in my small group or those who are in the same ministry that I'm in. But I greet everyone. And it's not something that we just leave to the people who have the greeting ministry at the front door. (laughs) So that when you walk in, there's somebody there that shakes your hand and says, I'm glad you're here. According to the scriptures, within these walls of Moraine Valley, this should be a greeting place not only when you walk in the door, but when you walk further into Atrium, when you walk in the door, when you get up by your seat, you should be constantly feeling welcomed and loved and greeted by the people that you encounter. This is something that's supposed to fill our body, fill our church and not just be left to a few people who are assigned with that ministry at the door. You know, I remember when Kim and I went to a church in Dallas. Um, It was a great church. It really was. We never really kind of found our way in, though. But as we went Sunday by Sunday, we saw a lively community of people that we're loving each other well. And we wanted so bad to be a part of it, but we had no idea how to get into it. Because you know what they were? 
They were friends loving their friends. That's not a hospitable, I don't even think I said that word right, but you know what I mean. That's not the kind of community we want to be. It's, you know, it's not, you know, it's great we're loving our friends, and it's great we're see, greeting our friends and we're slapping them on the back. But the kind of community that God is looking for among his church is that when people walk in, <laughs> there's just a welcoming spirit that just fills the place no matter who you are or who you're with. So we start with a welcome, we start with a hello, we start with a my name is, but then we move to the second, this second part of the welcoming church is a hospitable church. Again, I'm not sure I'm saying that right this morning, but turn to Hebrews 13 and we'll look at it. How does that sound? Hebrews 13 verse 1 speaks to us further about this very thing. Still hear some pages turning, so I'll wait till you get there. Starting in Hebrews 13, verse 1, it says this. Let love of the brethren continue. It's a good thing. Keep loving one another. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. So the first thing he's saying, hey guys, keep on loving one another, but don't neglect, don't forget, don't overlook the fact that there's some people here that are walking into this community where you're loving each other well, like that church Kim and I went to in Dallas, don't forget about these strangers that are coming and these new people that are coming. And I'm going to expand that further. People that are in a church this size, a person who's a stranger to you. You know, they may have been coming here for 30 years, but you don't know them. In a place where we're to greet one another, you know, there's many strangers in this room to us. There's many new people coming in. There's many we know, so keep on loving our friends and keep on loving the brethren well. But, but the word says don't neglect, don't overlook, don't forget those people you don't know. Help bring them into the family. Make them feel welcomed. Actually, the Greek word for hospitality is a lover of strangers. Now, in our culture, we've turned in hospitality into having one of our friends over and we put on a beautiful spread at our house and we feed them well. We've called that hospitality. If that person you invited over was a stranger, I would say, yeah, that is hospitality. Uh, you might know how to entertain well. Hospitality is when I take my welcoming spirit and what I have and I pour that out on somebody who I don't know well. And hospitality goes beyond just, hi, my name is. Hospitality is a welcoming atmosphere where people feel they're wanted to be here, and you're glad you're here, and they know your name, and, you know, it, there's a sense of belonging and being a part of the family. You see, 
And biblical, and in the time of the scriptures, hospitality went to the place of actually meeting the person's needs. So now it's not just, hi, my name is, and I'm glad you're here, and you're welcomed, and now I know your name, and you know my name, and we kind of feel good about being with each other, but hey, I recognize you've got a need. How can I help you with that? That's biblical hospitality. And that's what God is telling Moraine Valley Church this morning. Don't forget about that. Don't neglect that. Don't overlook that. Who's new to you? Who do you not know that you need to extend hospitality to? You know, when we're going to be an adoptive church, we're going to be just like a family that adopts a child. They bring that child home the first day. And what happens? You know, the whole family's there waiting for them. They greet them. Hi, my name is, and we learn their name. It's the same kind of thing. We welcome them. We bring out the food and the coffee cakes and the donuts or whatever. And, uh, you know, we, we spend time getting to know one another. But there's another piece that is big. And those who have adopted children know what that it means. The day you brought them home, you took responsibility for them as well. You didn't just welcome them in, but now you took responsibility. And that leads us to the second part of being an adopting church. We start with being a welcoming church. And we start with people coming in and, hi, my name is, and what's your name? I'm glad you're here, and all that kind of stuff that takes place. But then there's that place like an adoptive family, I take responsibility for you. So I'm going to call the second part being a welfare church. And I'm not talking about a social programs that we start doing a bunch of social programs getting into community. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but what I'm saying is this. I'm talking about I'm responsible for the spiritual welfare of the people that walk into this church. That's what God's word says. We don't just greet each other and love each other and give each other holy kisses all day. We actually say, now I'm responsible for the spiritual welfare and the care of that person that just walked in. Being a welfare church. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to see as I read this passage. I want you to watch for a couple things. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 7, and we're going to see family language here. We're going to talk about fathers and mothers and children. And they're going to talk about family attitudes and the way that mothers and fathers relate to their children. And we're going to see it's all done for a purpose. So as I read this, again, watch for the family language. Watch for the attitudes that's supposed to be in a family. And finally, why is all of that so? This is a passage that where Paul's talking about the kind of way he ministered to the saints of Thessalonica, him and his associates, the kind of attitude they have. Starting in verse 7 of 1 Thessalonians 2, it says this. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. What a picture. <laughs> Anybody that's had children, and especially mothers, as they, they think back when I was nursing that child, the tenderness and the care and the love and the affection and the gentleness they had. 
And then they say this in verse 8, having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives because you become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our, our labor and our hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his own children. So that, here's the reason, here's the purpose for all this family care of one another, family attitudes towards one another, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Why do we do all this? It's bigger than just being, wow, Moraine's a friendly church. Those are nice people over there. But you know, it really has a goal here. <laughs> and the goal is, is so that as we care for one another, with this kind of family care that we have, to help people walk with God in a way that is worthy of a God who's called us by his gospel and into his kingdom. See, scripture says this, we really are our brothers and sisters keepers. <laughs> we really are. Scripturally, we're responsible for one another. We can't take care of the whole world of the church of Jesus, but guess what? We got Moraine Valley Church and the people that God has led and called and brought here are the ones that we're responsible for, not just say, hi, my name is, and move on, but actually to care for them like a mother and father would. And this is how the one another's of scripture, many of you are, Don referred to this again in the first message about how the one another shaped the way we relate. For those of you that are big grammar people, one another is called the reciprocal pronoun. That means I reciprocate. It's not a one-way thing. Reciprocal means that I give back to somebody else in due measure what they've given to me. That means if I love you, this much, that doesn't mean you love me in return this much. You know, there, there's a way that we are devoted to one another and loving one another. When you think of the one another's, just looking at scripture, we're called to encourage one another. We're called to be devoted to one another, to build one another up, to admonish one another. When you're going off track and say, hey, you know what? That attitude's a little bit off here. You, you got to deal with that to serve one another. You got a need, how can I be there to help you? Give the same care for one another, comfort one another, stimulate one another, love and good deeds. Say, you know what, man, I see a gift you have that you could really be used. Stimulating one another, confessing our sins to one another and praying for one another, God would heal us. Praying for one another. All the one another's of scripture this whole idea of hospitality, this whole picture we see in 2 Thessalonians, we are responsible for the welfare of one another within the walls of this church. 
you know, I had an opportunity to go to a conference, a, a day-long conference uh, given by Matthias Ministries, and great day for Don and Mike and myself to spend together. Josh ended up sick that day, missed out, but we had a wonderful time together, and they put up a chart that really connected with me that I want to uh, just share with you this morning. Because, you know, when you, you look at the, the big picture, because, you know, today we're just talking about a small piece of a much bigger picture. God's ultimate goal is to make us more like Jesus. But we start, and people we're trying to minister start in the kingdom of darkness. And what we want to see them is transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, where now the goal is, once we become uh, children of God, is now we're in a place of transformation. We're being transformed to become more like Jesus. That's the big picture of what's going on. That's the big picture of our life. That's the big picture of what God's doing in other people's lives. That's the big picture of our ministry. Either we're helping people come into the kingdom or those who are in the kingdom, we're helping them become more like Jesus. That's looking at the Christian life and ministry from the 30,000 foot view. Well, it was the next slide that really struck me. And they talked about how and you see, if those little arrows on the top, that's movement, as I'm going to say, to the right. And um, ministry is we're constantly getting people to move. That's my right. Let me see. Does that go to your right, too? Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at my sheet here and that back there. But yeah, so it's, we're moving people to the right. And a lot of times we think... The only step of ministry we think that counts is if I lead somebody to Jesus, then I just did something. I just bore fruit. I'm here to tell you this morning, any little movement on this chart that represents the life we're living is really ministry and it's fruit that God is producing. And so we start with, on the farthest end, shaking somebody's hand, I'm glad you're here today. And by the way, that could be here, but you can also take this outside the walls to my neighbors, to my coworkers, to my students, you know, to, to those on the school board or something, wherever it is, it all starts with, hi, my name is, what's your name? And then we move over to the next one, we start to have a conversation with them. We go beyond just shaking the hand, my name is, and moving on. But now I start to have a conversation with that person, get to know them a little bit. Next time I see them, I say, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee together. And then, then I say, you know what? I've moved from a cup of coffee. We got to know each other's name. We're starting to get to know one another. You know, the Bears are playing this afternoon. Do you want to come over and watch the Bears game with me? Or maybe... maybe uh, because I'm not a lady, I'm not sure all the lady things you'd invite them to. <laughs> but I'll let you fill in the blank. You know, but, you know, what, what are you going to invite them to? It's probably not the Bears game. And you're going to say, hey, let, let's go do that. And at some point in our conversation, hey, you know, i got to tell you something. I, I'm a believer in Jesus. And, and, you know, Jesus did an amazing thing for me this week. Let me tell you about that. 
And then we move to a time we, you know, we, we, we tell them about how Jesus impacted us. And then at some point, you know, and then this doesn't all happen. I one thing, this is over time, it's happening. And then there's sometimes, hey, can I tell you about how I came to know Jesus? Can I tell you the story of what God did in my life to bring me to himself? And then we say, hey, how would you like to come visit Moraine Valley Church? We got an amazing preacher who's bald. He's built like a brick house. He's as handsome as can be. He's got a beard, and he can preach great. Love you to hear our preacher. And you invite him to church, but you say, you know what, not only do we have this, but we've got a group of people that you can't believe. These people love Jesus, and they love people. You've got to come to my church. They hear the gospel. Maybe they hear it from you. Maybe they hear it at church. And what happens? They move out of the kingdom of darkness and are transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son of Jesus. And then guess what happened? I said, hey, let me introduce you to some of my Christian friends. Now I'm starting to meet other Christians and I'm starting to get a little bit engulfed into that community. And I invite them to coffee now and I say, hey, how are you doing in this new relationship with Jesus? And what questions does this raise? And how, how, how can I help you with this thing? And maybe you say, they come to a class right here at the church. Or, or maybe you say, I'm going to sit down and they learn about the basics of how do you walk with this Jesus? How do you live life in this new community? You see, we're constantly moving people over to the right in ministry. Then they say, hey, I want to get baptized. Because you know what? Jesus said that all believers, this is one of the first steps of obedience is to get baptized. And then this is what often happens where Christians, I think, get stuck. And this is where the big point comes in I'm trying to make. Then we get in a Bible study. And we say, I want to grow some more. And what do we do? I find another Bible study. And they say, well, I want to find another Bible study that talks about this topic. And what we do is we keep on going from Bible study to Bible study to Bible study to Bible study, and we get stuck, and we don't know why. And the excitement of the Christian life seems to be, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of learning more, and I'm getting more of the Bible, and that's good, but I'm stuck. And so many Christians and churches get stuck here. But you know what? That's where the bottom part of the chart comes in. And that's where you got to look to the left. You see, there's so many people. We, we, we need to understand to grow, it isn't always about getting more. Give me more worship nights. Give me more Bible studies. Give me more this. But it's when I take from getting and I start giving that that's when something kicks off in my heart because I'm made to give. Don talked about that last week, our general, that's who we are. It's who we're made to be. And so many Christians are stuck because we keep on getting more and more and more for ourselves rather than starting to look to the left and saying, who's a non-believer who I can shake their hand today and say, hi, my name is, and then I can invite them to coffee. Or looking to the left saying, hey, that guy's a newer believer. That gal is a newer believer. Maybe I could 
meet with them and start helping them learn how to walk with Jesus. You see, to grow, we don't just keep on doing more of the same stuff, more getting for myself, even good stuff. But I got to start looking to who can I adopt? Who can I invest in for the sake of the kingdom of God and the glory of Christ? Bottom line, guys, becoming more like Jesus all starts simply like this. Someday somebody said, hi, my name is. (laughs) And relationships start from there and build. Discipleship relationships grow out of that. It sounds simplistic, but I'm trying to help us see today the bigger picture of what happens when it all starts with becoming a welcoming church because that's a part of becoming an adopting church because what I got to do is stop getting more for myself and start looking to the left and say, who am I connecting with that doesn't know Jesus? Who am I connecting with that knows Jesus so I can help taking them down these little steps of what Jesus is doing in their life and wants to do where eventually they get to that place and they start looking to the left. And by the way, you don't have to wait until you get a certain part of growth. Wherever you are on that chart, there's somebody who's behind you. You can look to the left and say, how do I help them get a step closer to Jesus? So, I guess, what does this look like? What I'm saying, you know, guys, to be a... To be an adopting church, it all starts with the welcome. Hi, my name is. I think you saw it today. We're getting the bigger picture. It all starts there. That's foundational to being a welfare church. Because you know what? The deeper the relationship, the deeper the ministry. You know, if if a stranger comes up to you and says, you're an idiot. You're going to say, I'm blowing that off. That person's an idiot for saying it to me. But if a friend comes up to me and says, you're an idiot, you say, whoa, maybe I am an idiot. You follow what I'm saying? And so the deeper the relationship, the deeper the ministry. And, and so we want to be able to minister Jesus and his word and his life and his care to one another. And it all starts with high my name is. Let me give you an illustration of what this could look like. One of our elders, one of my good brothers, after a service, his good wife said to him, there's a guy who's been sitting over there that's always sitting by himself and he's coming to church every week. She said, you need to go say hi to that guy. And he did. It was at his wife's urging. And so he went over and said hello to this brother. Eventually uh, started seeing him regularly, inviting him to get to know him more. I don't know if it was coffee, however they did that, but somehow they started to get to know each other better. Then he started discipling this guy. And not only did he disciple him, and by the way, this guy had another friend that he had met in church, and so through that, now he started discipling both of these guys. And when this brother who was sitting by himself ended up getting engaged, he asked that brother and his wife to mentor him to help prepare him and his wife for their marriage. 
Then he went to the point that actually when he got married, he asked his brother to come and pray at their wedding for them. And here's the amazing thing. I was able to write on the coattail of all this and be at this wedding. If you would have saw this elder and his wife dance in the middle of a circle of a bunch of people with a bride and groom, I was like, I didn't know elders could move like that. It was amazing. But guys, where did it start? That discipleship, that ministry, that mentoring, that marriage mentoring, that impact of life upon life, that deep stuff that they could pour in their life, all started on a Sunday morning with that guy sitting by himself. You should go introduce yourself to him. And that came from a good wife that pushed her husband and said, get to it, bro. That's what it looks like. And so, you know, we're a good-sized church, a big building. I can't know everybody. I can't care for everybody like that. Well, I'm going to give you a place to start. Start in your own neighborhood. Say, wait, my own neighborhood. I thought we were talking about church this morning. We are. You know where your neighborhood is? It's your section. That's your neighborhood. You guys sitting there, that's your neighborhood. That's your neighborhood. That's your neighborhood and your neighborhood and your neighborhood and your neighborhood and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. That's your neighborhood at Moraine Valley Church. And then you say, well, boy, even my neighborhood's pretty big. Well, start on your block. What's my block? That's my row. That's the people I sit with. Do I even know the names of the people who sit in the same row? is me. Look around for a second. Well, let me give you another. How about start? You can even say my block. They're too far down the other end. I mean, it takes a lot of work to walk all that way down. How about your neighbors? Who's my neighbor? Who's sitting next to you? Who's sitting in front and behind you? Those are your church neighbors. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know the people who live on your block? Do you know the people? Look around. Take a look. Take a look at your neighborhood. Go ahead. Look around. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know your neighborhood? So this is what I want to do. Yeah, keep looking. Look at that. Somebody shaking their hands and introducing. I love that. That's what it's about. So let me get you back for just a second. This is what we're going to do in closing this morning. And you don't know where it could end up. Just by saying, hi, my name is. We're going to take five minutes. And I want you to find somebody in your neighborhood. You can't even cross the street. The dividing line. Your neighborhood. Would you find somebody you don't know and say, hi, my name is. Get to know them and even go to the part of the spiritual welfare. Is there something going on in your life I can be praying for you about this week? And if you're one of those real spiritual giants, you could even pray for them right then. So let's take about five minutes. Take the first step of making Moraine Valley an adopting church and do it every week from now on.